the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Hope you're having a great afternoon, although Ajay's uh, having weird issues today. Weird issues. Personally? Not weird issues, just weird issues. Issues with being weird. Not strange issues, but like weird issues. Right? Is that, is that what you just told me when you came through before, like seconds before we go on the air? You're telling me about how you're having okay, weird. Okay, I'm trying to do my damn job and issues. help you here. And then when I tell you about the problems that we're having, all I get is, huh? That's weird. <laughs> and then, hey, everybody, good afternoon. Andre's <laughs> having weird issues. <laughs> And that's our show today. Welcome. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Although, Enjoy the rest of your evening. I'm just having weird issues on <laughs> most days. Uh, Eric, uh, the the um, aftermath of Henry Collinby deciding to put himself into the transfer portal uh, continued to pick up steam last night in regards of Aggie fans and the reactions. A ton of reactions. Uh, from this uh, announcement that Henry Conley is leaving the Utah State Aggie football team uh, to take his quarterback talents elsewhere as Jason Shelley has now entered the fray and uh, will be in that competition uh, to be the starter uh, whenever that opening game will happen. Uh, Eric, I know you know around here people know you. They know who you are. They know your great, you know, your great work on the radio show and such and that you have your ear close to the tracks with, with Utah State football. What was... What was the reaction like from people who came up to you yesterday or even today uh, about Henry Colomby leaving, and how did you react to it? Uh, shock. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the biggest. Like, why is he transferring? <laughs> They're just they're shocked. Um, and I think one of the biggest questions is that keeps getting asked is is Henry Colomby transferring? Because Jason Shelley is coming to Utah State from Utah. Or did Jason Shelley come from Utah to Utah State because Henry Columby was going to transfer? I don't have an answer. All I know is that Jason Shelley announcement one day and like the next, Columby has gone. Uh, if, if Henry Columby is transferring because Jason Shelley... He's coming to Utah State. I'm I'm disappointed. I understand, but I'm disappointed that he reacted as quickly as he did. I would have I would have hoped that this is a guy that for as long as he's been here has felt like he's been in, been groomed to be the next guy and could have believed in himself enough to give himself a shot to compete for the starting position. The fact that it happened so quickly has me wondering if it's the other way around, AJ. Because I liked Henry Columby when I saw him in practices. Loved him. I liked Henry Columby when I saw him on the field. Loved him. Playing in replacement of Jordan Love. Sometimes when Jordan was hurting, other times when they were blowouts. 
but he looked like he was going to be a good quarterback for USU. No, yeah. he was not on the same level as Jordan Love, but Jordan Love was a first-round NFL draft pick. But I was thinking, okay, quarterback position, I think the Aggies will be okay there. Columbia's got a lot of reps in real game situations. A lot of backups don't get that opportunity. So the fact that he transferred and made that announcement so quickly after Jason Shelley's announcement has me leaning more to the other side, suspicious that perhaps he would already been making up his mind that he was going to leave. That he was going to leave. And that is why Gary Anderson went out to pursue another quarterback who could step right in. I but I don't know. Yeah, it could no, be the other way you. around. My, my, my question, now, so let's play that side of the card uh, here. Let's play the card of what if, Eric, he did decide to leave and then Jason Shelley came in. Why leave Utah State? What would be the reason? Team respects him. I'm sure the coaches liked him. I mean, I don't know I mean, exactly, but why would you leave I don't follow Utah every State? current active football player at Utah State. I I try to follow quite a number of guys. But the guys that I did see posting with this announcement, they were shocked. Oh, they were shocked. Yeah. And they were sad. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we're, whoever's going to get this guy is getting a great player, a great leader. Whoever gets this guy is getting a win. And so they were all, it seemed to me, the reactions that I was seeing was a lot of shock and and disappointment, but wishing him the best at the same time. Not like, oh, if you're not with this, we're against you, blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't see any of that. So it's clear that these guys really like him and they support him and they wish him the best. But also got the sense that they'd prefer to have him in an Aggie uniform. Yeah, I again I'm I'm bummed. I loved Henry Columby. I loved what he brought to the table, his athleticism. Again, he's a great leader, uh, good footwork, great arm strength. Uh, he was learning as we went along, but I thought he handled everything really well. Bum that he is gone. Really am bummed that he is gone. In fact, you know, there's we I, I've seen tweets from several of people uh, in in regards of this. Uh, our very own Piranhas, who's a who's a loyal listener of the uh, of the uh, full court press. He. You know, he tweeted out, uh, you know, just kind of his surprise. And I don't know if it would be, I wouldn't say disappointment, but just bum that, uh, bum that Henry Carmley wasn't coming here. I, you know, we heard from, I saw several tweets from other Aggie fans, Dr. Nagy and others who uh, were bummed out that we are not going to have um, Henry Columby here. In fact, Piranhas had tweeted out, I want Henry Columby, not excited about Shelly, you want to move him to defense. You don't move a great QB to defense. Which, really, that's a great point. You don't take a great QB and say, you know what, why don't you go play defense and play safety? Worked out for Eric Weddle. That was a different animal. Dude, Eric Weddle. Was it? Yes, Eric. Eric. That Don't put Eric Weddle in this conversation. I mean, there's plenty of times where players shift positions and they turn out to be... Really, really don't. smart choices. Yeah, don't. I'm not talking specifically about quarterbacks. It doesn't seem to happen as much with quarterbacks. What do you mean? USU has had USU's had guys that came in to be running backs and ended up being safeties and go on to the NFL. Can you name them? Yes, his name is just escaping me at right this moment. Or oh, I would have said his name. That's ironic. 
I mean, besides the great, I mean, the great collegiate quarterbacks that have went on and are having great careers, uh, none more than Taysom Hill. Um, Let's not. <laughs> hey, you brought up Eric Weddle. I'm doing Taysom Hill, so don't, so don't you dare. Uh, no, I it, it. So Eric, let's let's now flip to the other side of the card and take the Jason Shelley card and put it into the mix. Give me your thoughts on you've seen Jason Shelley play a little bit throughout his time at Utah. Does he fit into the system? And remember, they do have Andrew Peasley as well. So maybe Bodie Reader is a guy that says, you know, we're gonna have mobile quarterbacks. We're going to develop an offense around a mobile quarterback, whether it's Shelley or Peasley, and it will give us options to do more. Thoughts? It's a, it's a potential. I mean, we talked about this the other day that um, they're uh, – we, we saw Boise State do this very effectively. And if I'm not mistaken, there was another school. I can't remember. Was it, was it Fresno or San Diego? Somebody else in the Mountain West used a two-quarterback system. And they, they didn't just settle on one guy. And they brought him in situationally. Now, the forever, for forever, the notion has been if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. And you have to go with one guy. And for the most part, I agree with that. Because... you. Two guys have different styles. They have different ways they interpret things. They have different ways that they they see what's happening around them. You can try to teach them and coach them to be the same, but they're just they won't. But you trade out every other position regularly, even running back. You swap guys out. So could Utah State be moving to that direction? I don't know. But um, I mean. Peasley is going to be a sophomore. You got Cooper Lega and Josh Calvin as redshirt freshmen. So it's a, it's now a young quarterback group with Shelley as presumably going to be the guy. Yeah, I don't see Cooper Le, or uh, excuse me Andrew Peasley competing to take the job away from Jason Shelley. Really? See, Peasley's actually kind of impressed me. He's got some mocks. He's willing to uh, he can take a hit. Which has really impressed me, uh, because quarterbacks I think tend to lean away from those. I think Peasley's a he's mentally tough. Well, I think I see situations where where Peasley is included, but I don't think he's going to be the starter. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I see what you're saying now. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think he competes absolutely competes for that job, and I I think he'll fight for it. I but I'm. Jason Shelley coming to Utah State from Utah is no coincidence. Uh, if you know where I mean, read between the lines, right? Um, I think they he saw an opportunity. Uh, I don't know if he had conversations with Coach A or not. I have no idea. I'm not going to speculate at all. But I think him seeing the opportunity that Jordan Love was leaving and he had an opportunity to maybe, if they were going to move him to defense at Utah, Utah State would have had a quote-unquote, opening at the position, why not come fight for it? Well, in Utah, look at the quarterback situation there. After Huntley's left, they've had pretty significant guys decide to transfer there themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, with a lot of experience and a lot of uh, talent. And Shelley, he won 
three out of five games that he started. He played some games for um, and had some time under his belt and with, with Utah, helped them win some games, come back victory over BYU. But if he was that great, why why were they trying to force or move him to the safety position? Like you said, the greats have always been moved to safety. <laughs> Quote unquote Eric Franson. No. no but I, I think that maybe I, he was saying that look, sense. there's there's two guys here that have been transferred from pretty significant programs. Yeah, of course Utah is gonna try to you know look at these guys and they, and give them some opportunities. So He's thinking my shot's uh, pretty limited. I want to play quarterback. It's really what I love. It's what I want to do. So I'm going to go somewhere where I can play quarterback. It's just it's still surprising to me that Utah State said, we'll find a home for you here. We'll create a home for you here. Does Shelly work out? I mean, because we talked about it yesterday, and I asked you the question of <laughs> uh, how much is this put on Gary Anderson, the fact that Jason Shelley is here? And is the, from, I guess, I don't know, pre-existent standpoint that he's, he's going to be the foregone conclusion starter of this football team, how much pressure does this put on Coach Anderson that this thing better work out? And you kind of say, you know, it's, it, I don't know if it puts that much pressure on him that it works out. The thing is, though, Henry Colmey just left, who was the heir apparent to Jordan Love, and now Shelley's here, and if it doesn't go right, then, gosh darn it, what the world happened, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because he was productive at Utah, you're right. As a quarterback, he was productive. You expect him to be productive here. Because he's a mobile quarterback. He Against, can get out and scramble. Do I, I mean, is it fair to say lesser competition? I don't, I gotta be really careful how I phrase that. But because we, we don't know what the competition is well, going to look like exactly yet. Well, with Henry Coleman be out of the mix, yeah, the competition just got lighter, got talk, easier. Well, I'm talking about even versus opponents. I mean, Jason Shelley led oh. his team to a, a Pac-12 championship appearance and a big comeback win over a pretty good BYU football team. I, get, I see what you're saying. But he, now he comes to Utah State, and you're not playing Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, and you know, you know those guys, but Washington State. Most likely won't be playing Washington State, but uh, now you're looking at teams like UNLV, New Mexico. Not to downplay what the Mountain West Conference is. And no, but look what happened to uh, Jalen Green. What happened to CLC Mariner? Here's a couple of guys that came from Pac-12 programs who were struggling to get time on the field. Come to Utah State, and they have great years. How much was that a product of Jordan Love, and how much was a product of them? I think it was both, and a product of who they were competing against. Yeah, well, okay, so, because Jalen Green had a fantastic one year with us. I mean, incredible. Siosu Mariner was, Siosu Mariners was really good, given, as you said, the competition that he was facing. We're talking LSU, Fresno State, San Jose was a decent football team, uh, Boise State, BYU, teams like that, and, and again, no disrespect to Jalen Green at all, because I loved Jalen Green. But Tennessee Tech, uh, give me another one. Stony Brook, New Mexico, UNLV. It just it was it New was, Mexico State. Yeah, it was lighter on the end of that. I think what and 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 by the way, what some of the catches that Ciosi made 
were just stupid ridiculous. So good. I thought him as a receiver, uh, bigger target, but was just more athletic as well. But again, he wasn't being guarded by the likes of... I mean, he he had a contest for a ball much more often than Jalen Green did based on, the, again, as you said, the competition. Uh, 9315 texts in. What I do know is Hot Sauce will get a higher spot on the depth chart as a quarterback. I think we'll be just fine this year. Who's Hot Sauce? Yeah, which one is Hot Sauce? Dude, I'm sorry, 9315. Um, who is Hot Sauce? I actually would have thought that would have been Columbia. Is that Peasley? Because he's got wheels? <laughs> Need some clarification there. Yeah. Uh, 2776 texts in. Been an Aggie fan for 20 years. Columbia is the third best quarterback I've seen in that time. Wow. Wow. Really? <laughs> Fetch. I can't, in fact, wish him well in Lubbock. Could you give says. us your top three? I'd like to hear his top three. Uh, the ender says, wish him well in Lubbock. We talk, I, Really? Maybe that is the destination. He knows the head coach. He knows the OC there. But have you seen their depth chart? They have five guys already in that quarterback room. Are we, are we, wait, were you talking Texas Tech? Is that yes. what you're saying? Uh, dude, I'm not putting that out of reach. I, I'm sorry, but I'm not putting that out of reach that he could end up there. I mean, is there some- Matt Wells could do what Gary Anderson just did and said, I need somebody that I know and uh, think is going to help us, so you come here and we'll try to get somebody to convert to a different position. Piranhas or just, they'll leave. Piranhas just tweeted in, love, by the way, Piranhas, thank you so much for listening. Uh, he says, I also don't love the fact that, and he brings up a great point here, uh, Colin B had a, built a relationship with receivers for three years. Now Shelly comes in with no relationships and no familiarity with the system. And by the way, he says, Eric, up in the night thinking Shelly's the next Weddle. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm not. Now, when I say I'm take, not suggesting that that could be you, the case. Just that we Weddle should, was... He came in as a quarterback no. and got converted to another position. Piranhas, let's keep it going. And he had a nice Eric career said, doing it. Shelly's the next Weddle. No, keep I, it up, Piranhas. No. I love it. Keep it up. Rewind uh, the tape. Give me all the crap about Taysom Hill. Now you're about to hear it. Uh, no, Piranhas brings up a great point, though, about the relationship with re- receivers because yes. that is important. Very valid point. Um, I love that. And I love offensive that point. line, too. Yeah, that's another thing. That's a great point. They know him. He and he them. and the calls. The thing does because maybe with a new offensive coordinator, does that all change communication? Right. Uh, I mean, there is that potential, sure. And I think that there are new guys that join teams all the time, and they they've got to learn it. They've got to get coordinated with everybody. There's always going to be a learning curve. But if you've got somebody that's had three years in the system, man, you save yourself a lot of time and. And angst trying to figure it out. So I don't know. I just think that experience in the, in a program means a lot. But if you get a chance to upgrade a position, well, you take the chance to upgrade upgrade the the player, get get the talent. If you believe that that's the right choice. So we just have to. Right now, we're all sitting back here thinking. I guess we got to trust the coaches that they're making the right call here. That they really believe. They have something better than what they just gave up. Or they knew he was leaving and this was the, the next best option available to them. By the way, 2776 replied. We asked what his, uh, his uh, top five quarterbacks. I'd love to hear this list. 
Number one, it's love. So this is the best USU quarterbacks in the, in the last, last 20 years. years. And he put Columbia at three. Columbia, who never started a game, never played a full season. Hot take. I love it. But he's got Columbia at number three. So in the last 20 years, the top quarterbacks are Jordan Love, Chucky Keaton, Henry Columbia, Jose Fuentes, and DeAndre Borrell. Wait, Kate, give me give me the last three again. I'm sorry. How is Columbia higher than Fuentes? I cannot. Hold on. I cannot stomach that. Okay, hold, wait, wait, wait. Hold, okay, so number one was Love. Number yep. two was who? Chucky Keaton. Okay, number three was Columbia. Number four? Jose? Fuentes. Jose Fuentes. Number five? DeAndre Burrell. I mean, look, I love hot takes. I'm all about it. Let's roll. Heck yeah! Uh, I'm I'm two seven seven six. Thank you for your message. Greatly appreciate you listening in. Um, not sure. I I think Henry would have had a better record by the end of his career than Jose Fuentes or DeAndre Burrell. If he would have stayed and played here at Utah State, he would have finished with a better record than those other quarterbacks. And I'll agree with that. I'm not sure I can put him in my top three right now. With all due respect. Jose Fuentes was really good. I forgot about that guy. Holy smokes. Is that 20? Man. Jeez. It's been a while. Okay. Uh, and Chucky Keaton's number two? That I can agree with. I'll take love over Keaton. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's tough, though, to put Columbia in that list without even starting a game. Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't started a game. Yeah. He hasn't played a complete season. Now, if, if he's him, he's the the number three guy in the last twenty years. But if he's basing it off of maybe talent, I would put Chuck or I put Colin B over Jose Fuentes and DeAndre and DeAndre. Excuse me, based on talent. So we didn't get to see him a lot based on talent. Yeah, DeAndre was not accurate with the ball. Mm, no. Not particularly. I mean, he he scrambled. He tried to make some things happen. He extended plays. But yeah, I'm not. But if we're talking just overall career, overall, sorry, best quarterback in the last twenty years. I love you, twenty seven seventy six. But I'm not. Oh, not not quite there yet with it. He says the fact AJ disagrees shows me I'm right. <laughs> if AJ disagreed, he'd probably be feel like he's wrong though. <laughs> I get it. I understand how it is. All right. And Piranhas, I I was being facetious. <laughs> so good. I did not Thank say you, I did I not say Jason Shelby will definitively be the next Eric Weddle. I'm gonna use that as my promo. Oh my and word. you are going to hear it. Shelly is the next Weddle, quote unquote. I love Piranhas. This guy's <laughs> becoming my favorite Twitter follower, man. I love this guy. Uh, if you want to text in and let us know what your hot take is, because apparently there's a lot of them going around. <laughs> including Eric. 435-339-0321. I better never hear about Taysom Hill ever again from you. You understand me? <laughs> hey, um, 2776 says, yes, based on talent. Does Jason Shelley, being here now and most likely the starter, does it change your thoughts on what the Aggies' record could have be or could have be? <laughs> Could be if they play a full season as the starting quarterback. Would it change your mind at all if they were to play a full season? If they did. 
like how much does it affect Utah's Utah State's outlook having Shelley versus Columbia? Yeah. So again, playing a full season and that it's pretty much been scratched out. Would it have changed your outlook on the season of, of record based? Uh, so far, not really. Okay. Because on the one hand, you got somebody who's been in the system. He's been groomed. He understands what's going on. He's going to be the heir apparent. And on the other, you've got a guy that won games in the Pac-12 with a good football team playing against other good football teams. But also started to get passed over as well. So, I don't know. It's hard to know. I, right now, it's I'm ambivalent, really, on how the outlook might be for the, this upcoming season. Okay. Who the starting quarterback is, depending on those two guys, is like deeper on the list compared to will there even be games. Me, yeah. By the way, did you see a report that um, Independence, Sands, Notre Dame, which means they'd be ACC-heavy scheduled, which they are. They have six games. They will be, you know, they'll cater to the ACC. But that other Independence team would play a home and away schedule to complete their season. And what else are they going to do? Well, what was the thought? You heard just some rumor or report that, I mean, if they could, they would try and schedule some a couple of SEC teams if conferences don't work out. Well, I mean, there is the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC who have not announced that they're only going to do conference-only games. So... If the Big Ten and Pac-12 games need to be filled, how are they going to fill those games? So they're going to go out and potentially schedule with other conferences or independents. Now, if you're Ben Criddle, you're going to win the national championship with that schedule. You are going to be the greatest team to ever play, and Wilton's going to win the Heisman. But if you're a realistic analyst like you and I are, Eric, they probably go three and something. They don't beat one SEC football team. If they have any on there, because a lower tier SEC football, I don't think they could. Yeah, they could beat Vanderbilt. I come on, man. They they had struggles with like the lowest of teams last year, and you think they could beat a low tier SEC Vanderbilt football team? Sure, Vanderbilt's not good. They're not that good. <laughs> uh, I think BYU's got a lot of guys coming back. They'll be they were going to be a decent team this year. I think they're going to have a tough. First half of this of the schedule, that I don't know if they're going to survive that at all. But so the same team, well, I mean not the same team, but a similar team who beat Liberty by seven last year. Who I can say, yeah, they did beat Boise State, but they lost thirteen to three to San Diego State. Being, you think they could beat the Vanderbilt team if they were at Vanderbilt or at home? Uh, probably say yes. Just be based on what BYU had coming back. And Vanderbilt's never had a good team. They've never been very good. That's the bottom of the bottom of the SEC. That's probably the only team they could compete against. I'll, uh, let me uh, message. You know what, Piranhas? Why don't you go ahead and message Ben Criddle and tell him that uh, Eric would love to be a co-host over there in Provo <laughs> and Whatever. join us, I guess. <laughs> You've gone on record multiple times praising the really good BYU team this year. No, just praising. Well, okay, they, yeah, they're going to beat Utah State, and how good BYU whoa, is. Well, you watch. You have gone on record saying such. You things. watch your language in front of the children. 
I have you never said that you can't lay this all on my feet. I just said they were a good football team. And you said they were going to beat Utah State. Not today, but when we were talking about predictions a while back. Okay, but Vanderbilt's a good football team. SEC lower tier, sure. Okay, I'm just saying that BYU would would be having an abysmal season if SEC is included into their schedule. Abysmal. No, I agree with that. And Big 12 would light their scoreboard up with, well, without breaking a sweat. I don't know what makes them think that they actually can they can compete with those conferences, that they even belong in those conferences. Big 12 would have a heyday. What San Jose State is to the Mountain West Conference, BYU would be to the SEC or Big 12. I agree with that. And, uh, never mind. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying right, it. We got to take a step aside. I have too many hot takes in one segment. <laughs> We're all going to get fired. There's plenty of them to go around. <laughs> Love to get yours if you want to chime in. It's, it's that kind of day today. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Did you say? Uh, did you say love would uh, or excuse me that uh, you take Columbia over? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you said it. You take Columbia over Anthony Cavillo or something like that. <laughs> the Aggies are number one here. The full court press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at one zero six nine thefancom Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Hey, love the text from... I Sorry, 0945, we missed your uh, text. That's my bad, man. Uh, uh, or ma'am. Uh, but uh, 0945 text in, shocked Riley Nilton didn't make the list. <laughs> that's brutal. Oh, oh that's cold. Riley Nilton. He could do that on a Friday five best. Or five best quarterbacks in the last 20 years. That lasted only one year. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Because really, uh, Riley Nilton, Henry Columbia. Who played one year or less. Because the amount of games total that Henry Columbia played would probably be amount to one year. Riley Nilton only played one year, right? Yep. Correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Dude, okay, so tell me, who had greater potential to be a great Aggie quarterback? I'd love to hear from our listeners, too. Riley Nilton or Henry Columbia? Ooh. 0945. Like, seriously, I'm asking. Uh, who had better potential? 2776. 9315. All of you all. Who had better potential to be a great quarterback for Utah State? Riley Nilton or Henry Columby? What would your answer be? I would probably say Columby. Me too. And I don't think it's even. I And I think it's mostly because of. I think talent is certainly a part of it. But I also think that based on the situation each one found themselves in. Oh, good point. Because Riley Nilton was under a horrible regime named Brent Guy. Yeah. With all due respect to Coach Guy, just not a good Right. It, it was wasn't not a good, a good situation. Yeah. Oh, Columby. Oh nine four five says. Coaching. So wait, is he saying like Easier to coach? 
What I mean, he would have had the better situation because of coaching. Oh, coaching. Okay, got it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. Old nine four five. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. I, he's he's got a great point. That's like we brought That's, up. Yeah, I think take, I'm a, I agree. I think for I'll the same take reasons. Anderson over Brent Guy any time, and I didn't even see Brent Guy. I was I was the manager there for Denny's last year, and then I left on a mission. Well, um, and the rest of the coaching staff too. It's not just the head coach, but the offensive coordinator. Who was the OC during then? Do you know? Back with Brent Guy. Yeah. Oh man. I know I'm kind of playing memory game here with you, but I don't. Because I've. If there was an OC, I because you usually hear of like you heard of Dave Aranda, right, and all these other OCs who've gone on to do great things elsewhere. I still don't know where Brent Guy's OC is. I don't even know who Brent Guy's OC is. But that's a great point. Oh nine four five, with the coaching aspect of it. Yeah, when and, and I don't know if it's even close. I think I take Henry night and day over Riley Nielsen, and Riley just couldn't stay healthy. That was a bummer. Yeah, I mean, Riley was a gamer who tried to make things happen. Yeah, Certainly we saw that with his younger brother too, and DJ, and uh, and uh, yeah. But I just think that based on the situation each one was in, not just what their sheer raw talent and abilities were, but you have to consider a lot of other things going around them. And I would have put Columbia ahead of uh, Riley Nelson for those reasons. I just think he was in a better situation. Um, so, but the, the question still remains that we don't have the answer to. I think is, I don't know that it necessarily changes my worldview about the upcoming season at all, but I think it's still fundamental to understand. Did Jason Shelley come to Utah State because there was going to be an opening? Or did Henry Columbia leave because somebody came on campus who's going to challenge him for his, his job to be the starter? See, and I don't see Columbia being the kind of guy who runs away from a challenge. I don't see that at all, Eric. He's a tough mental kid. Be crazy. Crazy if he left the fray just because of a guy coming in to challenge him for a spot. It's a competitive... Look, even Peasley would have competed like crazy, Right. Cooper Legault would have competed like crazy. They all wanted a chance to be the starter quarterback. I don't, I, I don't see Henry being the kind of guy that says, I, I, you know, I, this is a match I can't win. You know what's crazy? Uh. I'm looking at USU's depth chart. Okay. Columbia, Legault, Peasley, and Josh Calvin. They are all exactly six foot two and either 200 pounds or 205 pounds. So you have four versions of the same guy. Hey, what was Love? Granted, talents and abilities are a little bit different, but what was Love's build? Uh, he was a little bit bigger, wasn't he? I I, I don't know. I know he had massive it's similar. hands. Similar. He had massive hands. I shake his hand a few times or whatever, and I was like, "Good night, you're gonna break my hand." But I don't. He he couldn't have been more than six four, right? No, he wasn't that big. So he was like six three. He's six four, two nineteen. So uh-huh. bigger in size and in mass. And and these guys are what, 6'2", you said 200? 6'2", 200. In the range? What is Jason Shelley? Uh, shorter. He's like 5'11". Yeah, oh, he's 5'11"? Like mm-hmm. He's like 200 pounds though, isn't he? Uh, I th- yeah, I think he's about the same weight. Again, I think it's more about maybe like Coach Reader 
And uh, Coach, and again, this isn't, I mean, this is just speculation at best, but just the option of having a mobile quarterback and be able to do more. Well, I mean, Peasley offers that ability to uh, to be mobile. I think pretty much every all any one of those guys, from what I've observed in practice, all of those guys, Calvin, Lega, they they're mobile. They can move around. They're not pocket passers. Utah State hasn't recruited a strictly pocket passer in forever. Probably since Jose Fuentes. Stop it. Or Travis Cox. Cox couldn't move for the life of him. Yeah, he was a pocket passer. Oh, man, yeah. Cox couldn't move for the And look, I love Travis Cox. I love his dad, Dan. But, man, it was. And then the thing is, but here, even when Leon Jackson came into quarterback, things didn't get all that much better. And, and again, I don't think it was because of Travis, and I don't think it was because of Leon. I think it was because of the coaching. Yeah, that was a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a big was problem. A problem. It was a problem for a long time. For many years, it was a coaching problem. And then when Gary Anderson came in and flipped that thing right side up and, and it took a 180, you saw how important coaching was. You saw how just um, how important it was to compete in games and for kids to improve on the field. Uh, and you saw a massive upgrade in progression uh, because of Coach Anderson. A huge progression in improvement because of Coach Anderson. All right, uh, coming up next year in the Full Court Press, there are some other things going on in sports we want to get to. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the Jazz, and other other publications have taken notice as well. We talked about The Athletic, had a, a profile on Mike Connolly yesterday. They highlighted boy, uh, <laughs> George Niang as the potential replacement for the Jazz for uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, ESPN Today has a piece about Donovan Mitchell. And 4 Sports has a report on Mike Conley. Pretty much repeating what you had said yesterday, he uh, he needs to come out and show out big in Orlando. And he's looking confident and he's looking oh, comfortable. Geez. So we'll see how it translates. So we'll discuss the, the latest on the bubble. And uh, if there's more about snitches get stitches players obeying and following the rules in Orlando. We'll talk about that next in the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Thank you for the clarifications through the text line while we were at break. Yeah, uh, guys you'll see was Mike Santiago, who, <laughs> after Utah State, he went 10-18 and 18 overall at Incarcinate Word, which is the Inca- yeah, Incarcinate Word Cardinals, which is the Lone Star Conference. He went 3-8, and 2-5 in uh, overall play. And then he is now coaching at Central Catholic Marinist High School in Texas. And then uh, 9315... Uh, we're going to skip one text and then go to, I forgot to say, I heard coach Anderson say they have a very great player coming to play for Utah state. That will blow your mind. Uh, he heard on a different podcast. He didn't give any names, 
I, I think that's probably because of rules, I'm guessing. Right, until it's announced. You can't until it's official. Yeah. Uh five three three eight. Snitches get stitches, Eric. I witnessed RJ Salveson break outside the FTP <laughs> bubble and was not wearing a mask. I demand that he be fined and suspended. <laughs> Regards. CP. CP. <laughs> Who is that, man? Chris, Chris Paul, CP. Shh, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Oh, 5338. Five, should have said hi. I would have bought you a, uh, a hot chocolate or something. Uh, Malika Andrews reporting on the snitch line. Not everybody really likes it. You hear Rudy Gobert saying that he thinks that it's just a little bit petty and he doesn't really expect to be using it. You hear Dante DiVincenzo with the Bucks saying he understands why it's there. He thinks it's a necessity, but he doesn't really see himself using it. And then you got Doc Rivers out here wild and saying that he's going to be calling it on every team until the Clippers are the only one left. But in all seriousness, I mean, there are signs that are posted all around campus that say, if you see someone who is committing some sort of violation, this is the number that you can call. And also on the back of credentials for every media member, every player, every coach, there is a barcode you can scan in the app to report a violation. This sounds like, I don't have to be like, too much hyperbole here, but this kind of sounds like you know Nazi Germany. It, if you see a, if you see someone who may be hiding somebody, report them. It just like holy cow! Does it sound like we're? I know it sound like we're in preschool again, right? It's just instead of like saying, "Hey, it, make sure you follow the rules. Let's be responsible adults." Like, let's encourage ratting out our our fellow people here in the bubble. Like, constantly. I can't imagine how much that that hotline rings off the hook every day. You know, like, every I, five... I mean, honestly, every five minutes. Hey, by the way, I saw someone just... I saw Anthony Davis get a pizza. It had pepperoni and anchovies on it. I think anchovies is a violation yeah. because I think it's disgusting. I, I saw Chris Paul... Calling and talking to the hotline and telling on somebody for not even doing anything wrong. I'm telling on Chris Paul. Like he just, pushed the button on the elevator after somebody else pushed the button and he used his finger and he didn't, he didn't use even his elbow. Sanitize. <laughs> like it's too much already. I understand the need to keep everyone safe and to make this whole thing work. Everybody has to be in line, but to put it on the back of every credential. Scan this barcode, report someone, here's the phone number, report someone, here's a sign, report someone. Oh. Just seems a bit much. Yeah, it's 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 too much for me. I mean, what's next? We're gonna start putting up roadblocks? Taking away driving privileges. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna have little cribs. You know, like like what's those, like the little gates you have for We're the gonna kids? lock this thing down. Can't get over the gate. Do you know what they should do? They should have cameras. Public cameras for everybody to see of players <laughs> trying to line. escape. Yeah, and then we should be able to be able to have a recorded, <laughs> like you can call in the hotline or whatever, and listen to all the recorded phone calls, whether it's just Chris dis- Paul or distort whoever. their their voices slightly. Yeah, look, we people want to have names. Gosh dang it, I want to hear who it is calling in on who, so we can get some rivalry set here. I mean, look, this is a restart to the season. We need to put some spice on this. All right, so now like Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul are going to hate each other. Because Chris Paul keeps calling in on Russell Westbrook. 
I used to imagine like James Harden walking in, Chris Paul grabbing a phone. Hey, it's me again. You already know who this is, CP. I just I, I saw James Harden walking in. Didn't even sanitize his hands at the front desk. Just walked in. It's a violation. Get him. Get him. I just want to see it happen so badly. I want names. Okay. In this regard, snitches are heroes. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> only, only for our <laughs> sick media pleasure. <laughs> oh, please. And then Rudy Gobert like choke slam somebody. <laughs> you, you telling on me? Hey, uh, Donovan Mitchell getting some praise today. Uh, I don't know necessarily praise, but getting some love on ESPN, uh, asking him really what he can do to help his team without Boyan Bogdanovich. That's one of the big storylines for the Jazz. Second leading scorer out of the mix. How do you replace that? And Donovan says what he wants to do to help is to be a better passer. A more willing passer, he clarifies. Can I ask you, would you rather have Donovan be a a, a major ball handler rather than being a passer at this point with no Bojan Bogdanovic? Would you rather see him create off the dribble and take more shots than see him give up more? I mean, what are your thoughts there? If we have any chance for success and you have no Bojanovic... Bogdanovich, excuse me. I don't know if you have a chance unless Donovan's taking more shots and handling the ball more. Can I say both? I think it's possible for Donovan to put up more shots, but I also think it's also possible for him to find his teammates better. Because if he doesn't include his team, this is going to be a very short experiment for the Jazz. Fair enough. But I also believe that Mike Connolly will be better. I know you don't. You're not sold on him. No. But I'm I'm gonna drink the Connolly Kool Aid, and think that he's gonna do a really good job of setting his teammates up, while also providing offense for the Jazz. But it's gonna have to take. It's not just one guy that has to step up to replace no. Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah, there's gonna have to be there's gonna have to be quite a few to to cover for his gap. It's a huge hole, Eric. A huge hole to lose someone like that. Forbes Sports uh, brought out a report today. A story, excuse me, on Mike Conley. And they said it's going to be on him. A chunk of accountability for the offense and production. It's going to have to, there's going to be some put or uh, weight put on Mike Conley's shoulder. Can he handle it? Forbes says yes. Forbes says that, as you were talking about yesterday, he had some momentum going into that COVID 19 break. They think he can continue it. They like his, they like his ability or his ability to keep the team ruling offensively. Asking a lot of that guy. Well, he's also a veteran. I think that he won't be as phased by the weirdness of what's going on, and he could kind of keep guys going. Like, hey, let's keep focused. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep attacking. I mean, I am encouraged by what I'm hearing about Mike Connolly. Uh, one last thing about Donovan Mitchell before we take a quick timeout says, uh, getting my teammates easier looks, which then also comes back and makes it easier on myself. But being able to do that, or to do that, I think would not just help me for where we are now, but help me for years upon my career. Uh, he's totally right. If he can become a better facilitator and get to the free throw line better, he's going to do much, much better. 
He's going to have a much longer career, more fruitful career. Quick time out. We'll be right back. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Great interactions on the uh, text line. Oh, yeah. Twitter. Thank Twitter you. as well. Thank you so much, you guys. You guys have been great. Even if you were wrong. We still love you. You were... Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. There are certain sports arguments that just won't go away. For serious NFL fans, one of the big ones is whether or not you should pay elite running backs. The Tennessee Titans signed Derrick Henry to a four-year $50 million deal on Wednesday. Henry was brilliant last season, leading the Titans to the AFC title game. But the argument goes, by the time you pay running backs, they're usually on the downside. Henry currently ranks fifth in yearly average salary for running backs. But the guys ahead of him have had mixed success since signing their deals. Christian McCaffrey, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Zeke Elliott. But Henry is just 26, and the Titans are built to make him succeed. Should you pay your running backs as a close cousin of the system quarterback debate? The kind of discussion that raises interesting football questions, but kind of makes you sound like a nerd. Oh well, at least Derrick Henry is happy, and hopefully he'll make the Titans fans happy for the next couple of years. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.